I mean, that's the radical notion here is that it's our creative human, I would say, inherent capacity to innovate and create as if nature mattered. Nature's done it according to another concept, biomimicry, for hundreds and thousands and thousands of years. That's our guest, Claire Atkinson. Claire founded and grew four successful environmental businesses and social ventures in her career. Common Earth Educational Adventures, the Powerhouse Science Center, Roll E-Bike, and Live Creative Studio, a purpose-driven marketing and branding studio, and a community hub for sustainable innovation and shopping your values through the Sustainable Marketplace Global Portal and the Durango Sustainable Business Guide. Keep listening to find out how design can benefit from mimicking nature and Claire's tips for how you can live a more sustainable lifestyle. Welcome to the Epic Conscious Living Podcast. Transform yourself, impact the world. Educating, empowering, and inspiring you to live a spiritual, healthy, and sustainable lifestyle. Building a community that elevates consciousness for the greater good. We want to thank everyone who's already subscribed to the podcast. And if you haven't gotten a chance, please click the button below. We make it easy for you to be epic. That's where we get into this conversation about design. And that's why I started my business, Live Creative Studios, because I think it's a fundamental question of design. That if we were to look at early on what Unilever or Coca-Cola is making their product out of, we won't talk about the sugar right now, <laughs> but let's just talk about the plastic. <laughs> um, if, if they had the understanding early on in the 50s, you know, with the, the movie The Graduate, right, where he says, you know, I have one word for you, it's plastics. Well, hey, <laughs> Here we are swimming in it, literally, and killing, you know, our oceans and ourselves. So, you know, it's now about plastics again, but what is that plastic made out of? Is it made out of renewable algae? You know, is it made out of actually a paper that is grown from bamboo that grows really rapidly? So it becomes a conversation about material innovation, and it's much more of an exciting, interesting conversation, in my view, when you start looking at innovation and sustainability as opposed to regulation. Now, don't get me wrong. We've got to hold people accountable. We have to hold corporations accountable. But I believe if we innovated, we really don't have to have regulation. I mean, that's the radical notion here is that it's our creative human, I would say, inherent capacity to innovate and create as if nature mattered. Nature's done it according to another concept, biomimicry, for hundreds and thousands and thousands of years. How do animals survive? They use solar, they use air, they use their environment and they don't trash it like we do. So what can nature teach us is another really fundamental question that designers need to be asking. That was going to be one of our questions about <laughs> biomimicry. So everything that you're saying is is right on point. And one of the reasons why we have 
the three large topics of spirituality, health, and sustainability with the magazine is that there is an interconnectedness of all things, but sometimes we don't get that. So we can be praying and sitting on a mountain, but then we're not looking at the sustainability of the world. So we're using products, we're using our spending power in a way that is somewhat unconscious right? We're taking care of our health, but then we're not bringing the the spiritual component or the sustainable component. Or people are so driven around the sustainable component that they're forgetting about their own health and well-being or, or how their spiritual nature can be at the forefront of that. And I think that's one of the things with biomimicry, if you want to dive a little bit more into that, because some people may not know that term that much, you, you, you sure. wrote a you wrote a great piece for us for, for Epic on our sustainability uh, section. And I also know you have some more information about that on your website. So unpack that a little bit for people sure. and let them know. Yeah. So um, amazing woman scientist, uh, Janine Benyes founded this term, coined the term biomimicry. And really essentially it's this notion that um, nature has already done the research and development on how to survive on this planet for millennium. <laughs> um, and that it really is as simple and complex as looking to nature and how in the study of nature, how does nature continually survive and, and not um, destroy itself? So it's a fascinating field where it has both inspiration for designers and architects, um, as well as developers of trains. There's a fantastic design of a train that was inspired by a engineer who was looking at hummingbirds and understood how the hummingbird actually was able to stay in flight as fast as it, it could and stay in one place. So it's as simple as kind of just looking to nature for design and innovation and engineering cues. Um, but Janine Benyes really demands that we take it further than just inspiration for design, but actually a blueprint and model or a framework for sustainable design. So how does nature use sunlight? How does nature photosynthesize? How does nature continue to have an abundance of, let's say, fruits and apricots one here. It, it's not, nature is not efficient. <laughs> and we like to think that efficiency is the way to get to the most benefit and quality. So there's some nuances, I would say, that biomimicry gets us thinking about that maybe we can have some abundance in our world. There's this backlash against sustainability where people believe that, oh, it means more regulation. It means we have to do with less. It means we have to all live in teepees. It means we all have to be hippies. It means, you know, that we aren't going to be able to be free in America <laughs> if we follow sustainable principles. And when in fact, it's understanding the real design constraints of our world. Biomimicry asks us and demands that we understand how to regenerate the soil as a farmer, rather than look at the soil as something to till until it's dead, essentially, and we no longer have topsoil for plants to live and thrive. So 
In my view, biomimicry is one of those fields that I highly recommend anybody who's interested in the field of sustainability, that the, the two areas I encourage you to look at are biomimicry and circularity. Um, and they, they do have places where they connect. Essentially, circularity is a way that we change our whole model of business. Typically, a business looks at um, a linear system where we call it cradle to grave. So a business will say, okay, we need to extract X mineral to make our iPods. And so we'll go dig in the earth for that mineral and we'll go make our iPods and we'll treat people poorly along the way and actually, you know, ensure that they have toxic chemicals in their systems and their children's systems. And then we'll produce this wonderful iPod send it out to market, make a lot of money. And then literally it lives in someone's hand or pocket for what, two years. And then it goes into a electric, you know, I mean, into a um, e-waste pile, you know, in some third world country, quote unquote. So that's, that's your worst case scenario of a, what we call cradle to grave, you know, where products go to die, <laughs> Circularity demands, and biomimicry has helped to push this, is saying, what if we no longer extracted this mineral? What if we continually use the minerals that we've already extracted? So it's, again, it's actually doing recycling. So it's taking that mineral from an existing system and it's saying, how are we going to reuse it for the next object? rather than creating a linear system, we're creating a cradle to cradle. So we're always using in continuous reuse that particular mineral or that particular bio product. Those are the radical ideas that actually large corporations are now beginning to take hold of and look at and at scale, whether we like them or not, at scale, they can make the greatest and the fastest change. And if we're talking climate, we need fast and great change the planet over. Absolutely. You know, and going back to transparency, you know, a lot of these products are actually made in a way that they are made to be obsolete within Correct. a year or two. So to me, that's one of the things it's like, well, companies are not transparent about that. I think consumers certainly have caught on and, and some of the things that you're talking about, you're calling them radical ideas. I think to a lot of us, they're just common sense. You know, we, we just need to see that common sense employed on a, on a large scale. Exactly. Um, it's systematizing it is radical. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually doing it, you know, the world over. Um, it's, it's changing the entire way that businesses run. It really is. And the way that we think about business and extraction and uh, linear versus circular model. So speaking, you said speaking of uh, doing it and, and getting it done, um, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, Live Creative Studio. And so you have this, you have a B2B track and you've got a B2C track. So how do you help companies who really have these values and they, they want to make sure that their values are expressed through their business. Yeah, well, I like how you put that because that's exactly how I start is what are your company's values? Um, and if you're not clear on your values, then we start there. And I also start with the CEO or with the C-suite. Um, sustainability has to be completely and 100%, not only 
driven by the leaders, but it has to be continually reinforced by the leaders of any company. It can be grassroots and you want to build the grassroots. You want every individual in a company to become passionate about your sustainability goals, but it really has to be led by the people in power. <laughs> um, so if someone comes to me from within a company that's, you know, middle management or, or under, I say, great. When you can get your CEO here to talk with me, then we can have a conversation. <laughs> um, and the reason for that is because it is a commitment and there are some stakes involved in relation to understanding the financial side of it, like I was saying with Zia Takaria, if I hadn't had the C-suite, we wouldn't have understood what they could afford versus what they couldn't, you know? And instead of just having somebody say, well, why aren't we doing this within the company? Instead, I have the CFO, I have the CEO and the chief operating officer in the room saying, well, if we go this route, I know it's not going to work out because the restaurant folks that are actually putting the food on these plates are going to hate these plates because they're not going to be tough enough and the food's going to fall off the plate. So what I try to do is get everybody in the room from the C-suite to the cook line, if you will, <laughs> in this case, all talking to each other, you know, because in at the end of the day, it has to be a sustainability solution that's going to work. You can't just say, oh, we'll use this plate because it's better for the environment. And we're sorry, you have to use five of them because otherwise all the food will fall out. <laughs> that's not going to work, right? That is not, that's a wasteful situation financially as well as just materially. When I work with clients, I really ask for the whole team to be there and, and initially starting out with the C-suite. Um, and we look at their values and then we look at their purpose as an organization or business. And then we look at really the low hanging fruit. You know, what can they start with that makes sense, that they can have some sustainability wins, you know, that they can begin to have this conversation within their whole um, company and make the change because it really is change management in another term. <laughs> sustainability requires that people change, that systems change. Um, and some people love change and most people don't. <laughs> So a lot of it really is ensuring that not only you, again, being transparent from the perspective of we're, we're doing what we're saying, to actually do what you say is a lot of work. It, it requires a lot of people making changes every single step of the way. And that can be both exciting and exhilarating for a company. And it can be also um, people, again, that don't like change, they can, they can kind of put their their hands up and say, mm, I'm suspect of this. I'm not going to do this. And again, that's why we need the C-suite or the CEO or the entrepreneur leader to be the ones championing it. Yeah, it needs to be embodied from the top yes. down versus just talked about and thrown out there as a, as a term that is something we need to do in 2021. Right. <laughs> um, all that's amazing information. And I love Zia Takaria. I'm so, so grateful that they are constantly evolving their, their process. And they're um, a wonderful example of that. They you are. Know? They're just, they're trying to live and embody their values and systematize those 
Um, and it's just really exciting to see what they're doing. They're a great example. And that's why I started the um, Durango Sustainable Business Guide is also to show people we have some 26 plus and counting pioneering sustainable businesses in our community. And again, I say they're sustainable businesses more for the acumen, but they're all along a continuum. They're all in a different process of being sustainable. They're evolving. So we've got one company that's local here called Curate, and they have incredible products for your home from laundry to um, skincare. And they really emphasize as their values, creating organic zero waste products. So everything that they do, they're looking at that perspective. Now, is every single product that they make perfect? No. <laughs> they're on that path and they're, they're working through what works and what doesn't work and figuring out how to get people to refill and, you know, making the change also happen not only within the company, but changing the habits of the consumer <laughs> as well. So it's, it's again, change management, but I, I'm happy to share more about the sustainable um, business guide, but for ease, you can simply go to live creative studio and go under the shop button. And if you're a local Durango uh, person or in the four corners area, Take a look. There's everything from table to farm compost, roll e-bikes to base camp, which is a new plant-based restaurant, um, Mantel Heckathorn Builders, which is a sustainable building company and an architect, Steve Gates. There's local wedding resources here and event resources where they're looking at how to create an event that's completely sustainable. Again, looking at waste and committing to zero waste for that event. Grass burgers on here, as well as cream bean berries. So there's foods, it's, it's the gamut. And that's the other part of what Live Creative does is that we're trying to show people that you can spend your dollars easily that are in alignment with your values, that there are incredible pioneering businesses locally and globally. And so I also have a global sustainable marketplace um, that shows you where you can get, again, everything A to Z, um, architects to zero waste, furniture, <laughs> gear, skis, snowboards that are from companies that are looking at algae to create algae tech skis, amazing material innovation. So um, explore it, check it out. It's under the shop button. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. It's a good segue into, can you give the listeners maybe your top three tips on how they can live a more sustainable lifestyle and how they can take their values and shop? I mean, that is a very important thing in us making change. And I think we're always evolving towards, you know, progress, not perfection. So as right. you said, not every single product for every single company is going to be perfect and not every single thing we do, right? I switched over. I drink out of glass bottles. I take them with me wherever I go. I have, um, you mentioned straws earlier. I, I used to use straws, but now I have a stainless steel straw and I can just reuse them. So give some other tips about what people can do. And then you do have the eco marketplace available also on your website. So that's a good starting point. One thing I wanted to mention too, is this education piece. Mm -hmm. How do we get people? I have 
you know, friends and family members who are in a little bit older generation. And they're always talking about, well, this is a great company. And I try to be like very gentle around it. Um, It's like, well, why are they great? Tell me why they're great, right? Because they might have been great 50, 60, 100 years ago when they started out they were a family run business and now they've become these giant conglomerates and are they still great or do you think they're great because of the name that they held? So how do we get people to investigate, you know, and educate themselves? Yeah, those are great questions. I would say starting with, if they're open to it, to asking those questions themselves of the companies they love, you know, it's easy to want to point fingers and there's a lot of fingers to be pointed. Don't get me wrong, (laughs) but we all do have, you know, branding is a powerful thing and we all do have brands from our childhood or intergenerational brands, you know, Coke comes to mind where it's just kind of passed on. And, you know, how do we get these sustainable brands to become those really is the question, right? Um, And a lot of it is about this transparency and trust. Older generation, it might be a little bit more difficult, but having those conversations, I think, is good. Seeing if they're willing to say, okay, Clorox, what are you doing around sustainability? I've loved you all my life, and I've used you for generations. My mother used your products, you know, but I really care about the earth. What are you doing about it? You know, what are you doing about the plastics problem? You know, so I think those simple questions, again, we have a lot of power on, on Facebook and social media to ask those questions of those companies. I think also it's really important to look at millennials and Gen Xers and understand that fundamentally, um, the research says that they are looking for companies that they can feel good about and that are consistent with their values. Surprisingly, though, I've also recently read a, a published piece of literature coming out of 350 Green Biz, where they do an annual report on kind of the state of sustainability. And it showed that among those millennials, even still, many could not name brands that they actively support and that are sustainable. So that got me thinking, and that's why I did start the local (laughs) um, sustainable business guide (laughs) to get those brands out there, to get people starting to talk about them, as well as the global one, you know, so that instead of constantly searching, okay, well, how do, where do I find sustainable furniture? And oh my God, is it really sustainable? And uh, I have to like hunt for hours and hours. That's really not realistic. So I'm looking at how do we create a one-stop shop, a place on the internet where people can trust and go and say, okay, this has been vetted. This company is actually truly on that sustainability path. And so what I've done is is created a list, which we're going to evolve into a searchable site where you can put in furniture versus, you know, um, let's say lotions or potions. <laughs> um, right now it's a list just to get it going. And really my criteria is about the, the materials that these companies are using. And it's also about what they are committed to in terms of their waste. Um, and so those are kind of the two fundamentals for me. So I have a company on this list called Cork Element, for example, and they are creating a vegan alternative to leather purses and bags and things all made out of cork. 
Now, cork might raise, you know, your eyebrows because we've also heard that a lot of cork has been kind of removed and deforested and clear-cutted. And so, huh, what's the source of their cork? That's the next question. Um, essentially with cork element, it's a Portuguese like fourth generation cork farm that this company has decided to take on and purchase and bring in the local families that used to run cork distribution and fabrication to create these beautiful purses. So it's really nice to be able to actually talk to the owner <laughs> on the phone too <laughs> and say, okay, you know, are you doing these, 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 and this thing in terms of sustainability and to um, understand their whole process. I learned in that case that they're actually keeping these cork trees alive. It takes nine years to create the cork bark that they use for the purses. purses. You don't have to actually cut down the tree. And in that process of keeping them alive and letting that cork bark grow, that cork is actually absorbing more carbon and is a sequester of carbon. So they didn't even know that when they were starting out. And so a lot of times there's this learning curve that many of these people that are entrepreneurial and want to do the right thing, they're, they're learning a lot in the process and they're teaching us all too <laughs> in the process. And then another company that I have on here that I absolutely just think is one of the coolest, let me pull it up here, is Pella. And Pella is a company that takes plastic waste from the oceans and creates phone cases and glasses, as well as iPod cases. And so they're part of that circular system. They're looking at how do we actually use the waste <laughs> um, and get it out of the oceans? Um, there's a swimwear company called Samudra who uses fishing nets that are coming out of the ocean to create their swimwear. So there's quite a, a lot of options. Again, I talked about Samara. They create purses out of apples. There's an several companies that are creating bags out of cactus, you know, so it's the material, but then it's also, okay, you're creating a new material, but how are you treating the workers? How are you treating the land and creating that new material? You know, so uh, you, you got to always be asking many questions when you're a sustainable entrepreneur. And so that's what I invite everyone to begin to do as both a consumer or a business in a business is really asking these questions. Yeah, I think that there's been a, a tremendous lack of foresight in some of the, <laughs> the industries, you know, over the last um, hundred years, 50 years or whatever, that it's like, oh, you're, you're creating this, but what what's the impact going to be down right. the line for, right. and how is it going to impact generations? And, but um. And so how about the top three, your top three tips for consumers on? Yeah, well, again, it's asking these questions. It's looking at your own um, behaviors. You know, one of the things that I do for clients is we do a, um, a waste audit. So you as a person, individual can begin to open up your recycling and your garbage can and look at what is your waste. Seriously, it's a really important thing to do. Um, and you start to look at like, huh, I have a lot of plastic bags in here. What, what can I do to diminish that? And there's all kinds of wonderful alternatives for getting 
bags that you can reuse over and over again, whether you wash them in the sink or wash them in your dishwasher. Um, so I would say really taking an inventory of your waste and beginning to understand that recycling really has not been as successful <laughs> as we had hoped. It is not the solution. <laughs> so we really do need to look at how are we bringing in more plastic into our lives and into our homes and into how we shop. So I highly recommend that you look at your laundry as well as you look at um, your soaps and things and think about if you can take existing bottles to our local WeFill store, which is also on our business guide, um, and refill those over and over again and keep them out of the recycling stream that tends to end up in our ocean. I would say a third is really understanding your your intake of food and the types of foods and how those foods are grown and looking at how you can support local farmers. Um, if you do eat meat, making sure it's from a regenerative source, um, looking at maybe taking meat out of your diet, you know, once a week or looking at, you know, twice a week that you're fully um, vegetable oriented and grain oriented taking your own bags with you to the grocery store, to our local shops here where you can fill up with rice and grains and cetera over and over again. Those are really simple starting points. Um, and then just really beginning to think about like, okay, I really need a new swimsuit and I don't want to get it at the Goodwill. I will get everything else at the Goodwill, but I'm not going to get my swimsuit. So, okay, I'm going to go on to Claire's <laughs> sustainable marketplace and I'm going to find the swimsuit that's made out of the recycled, um, you know, fishing line. So really beginning to think about everything that you buy and where you're going to purchase it from. Um, and even locally looking at how you can support local folks as well as looking at, do I really need it? You know, that's, I think, where the spiritual piece comes in. And it's a sense of, am I full enough? And if I'm not, how do I get more that I really need as opposed to just a thing that's going to make me happy for a minute, but not lasting? I could talk to you for hours. This is <laughs> such a great topic. You have your wealth of information. We, we greatly appreciate it. And we've been trying to think a little bit more about that with Epic you know, we have a, a physical print magazine. And so we know that is not the best for the environment, but we do have uh, print relief, relief certification where we actually replant trees in deforested areas to make right. up for our footprint. Um, yeah. But I'm sure there's plenty of other ways that we can be more mindful in how we're bringing products to, to the world and, and what we're doing in our personal lives. So we appreciate everything that you've uh, offered here today for the listeners. And can you let them know, we, we know you have another uh, business called Roll E-Bike. Can you give them? Yeah. So I am an entrepreneur as well. And I have a business locally here in Durango, Colorado, that's called Roll E-Bike. And actually we're adding stand-up paddle boards this year. So we're really excited about that. Um, and essentially what we do is we deliver um, the e-bikes and stand-up paddle boards to you within 10 miles of Durango. And we deliver in a uh, Prius. <laughs> so we're doing our, our part um, to reduce emissions and we're trying to uh, make sure that folks, when they are receiving these electric bikes that they also understand that they're solar powered. We have solar panels both at our office headquarters as well as our home where we juice up the bikes 
So planting that seed among a lot of tourists that come in from, you know, Texas and Utah and Arizona and internationally so that they can begin to understand that you can actually ride an e-bike pretty far and it can become really your transportation, that you can get out of your car, (laughs) get out into nature, and you can use it to go grocery shopping. You can use it just for fun and adventure with your family. You can use it really to commute. So really, it's one of those uh, businesses that's just fun and enjoyable, but it also plants that seed for people of like, ah, electrification of our transportation is possible and it's enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we have to offer. It's our fourth year and um, it's been an amazing year. We're, last year, we added delivery of sustainable uh, foods from local restaurants, as well as vegetables from a local farm. And then we had a zero waste box. So we call them local boxes where we'll deliver to your home and just gets people thinking about sustainability in general. Fabulous. Thank you so much for spending this much time with us today. We really appreciate everything you've talked about. And we hope that all of the listeners take good notes and are able to actually integrate some of this information into their own daily lives. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. I think the more we can have these open conversations and kind of begin to break down some of these terms and these processes for doing what we love, but also benefiting people on the planet, it's it's an exciting topic and our future depends on it. So thanks for having me. Let people know how they can get a hold of you for, for both businesses. Okay. So you can go to rollebike.com and book online for a SUP stand-up paddleboard rental or an e-bike rental. And you can also reach me if you want to learn how to get your company on the sustainability path by going to livecreativestudio.com or simply claire at livecreativestudio.com. And also, again, you can check out under the shop button, the sustainable marketplace, which has an A to Z of global sustainable brands that you can shop as well as our local uh, green business guide. Thank you, Claire. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the show. We hope you enjoyed it. You can subscribe by hitting the button below and to get your free Epic health tip ebook, sign up at epicconsciousliving.com. We make it easy for you to be Epic. We've chosen to drink better water and pass on plastics. We've been using Berkey water filters for over 10 years, and we truly love the quality and taste of our water. We want to let you know that we have an affiliate relationship with Berkey. So if you choose to make a purchase through our link, we will receive a small commission. Pass on plastics, drink better water, get peace of mind. EpicConsciousLiving.com backslash Berkey. That's EpicConsciousLiving.com backslash B-E-R-K-E-Y.